When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is ESPN Radio. We also like football, football season, and all the things that go with it. That, of course, the voice of Bill Belichick, Amber Wilson, and Joe Fortma hanging out with you here on ESPN Radio. You can also watch us on ESPN2. Bill Belichick is a coach that hasn't had the team we've expected or at least become accustomed to here the last few years post Tom Brady's departure. And his owner seems to be getting a little antsy of late. He's been making a lot of comments this offseason, making it pretty clear that Robert Kraft's goal is still Lombardi trophies. But now we're hearing actual reports that Bill Belichick's job could be in question. Tom Curran NBC Sports Boston was on the Rich Eisen show, and he had this to say about the hot seat. You know, you talk about avoiding the hot seat. Rich, he's on the hot seat, and he's been there at different levels of warmth since 2019. So there you go. Different levels of warmth since 2019. That feels a little premature. (laughs) 2019 like the man didn't get any time after Brady leaves the organization or even coming off of Brady's tenure there in that final season nothing buys him anything with Tom Brady's departure the greatest quarterback that any of us have witnessed in our lifetime and Bill Belichick who's won all these Super Bowls for that organization I'm a little surprised that the hot seat would stem back to that time, Joe, but I'm not as surprised that now we're hearing the murmurs in 2023. Not at all. Not at all. Since he and Brady broke up, let's take a look at the facts. New England hasn't performed well at all. They have been the definition of average. Three seasons since Tom Brady left for Tampa Bay, New England's gone 25 and 25. During that time, they went to the playoffs once. And the only reason they're there is because the NFL expanded the postseason to seven teams per conference, so the Patriots were able to grab a seventh seed. In that wild card game against Buffalo, they lost 47 to 17. So they weren't even competitive in that matchup. Zero playoff wins in three years, one playoff appearance, a 25 and 25 record. Now, that might not be so bad, except for the fact that when Brady left, he went right to Tampa Bay and immediately won a Super Bowl, and then went back to the playoffs two more times. Sure, they got beat up by Dallas last year, but that team had a lot of problems. They were on the descent. And the year before that, they lost to the Rams, who went on to win the Super Bowl uh, just a couple games later. So the fact that Brady and Belichick have always been so, uh, so linked together, and the fact that when they finally broke up, Brady went on and kept having success, and Belichick took a huge step back, He's had three years. There are owners that probably would have acted a little bit quicker here. That's not to say Robert Kraft should have acted quicker, but he's given Bill plenty of time. And I think the biggest problem is that after three years, you still aren't sure if you have your quarterback in the future. 
not only are you not going to the postseason, not only are you not winning playoff games, you're not even sure if you've got the quarterback situation resolved, which has got to be a big concern for Robert Kraft. I think that the real problem here is that Bill Belichick is the judge and the jury in New England. He's making these personnel decisions as well. And apparently that is why this time period that Karen just referenced stems back to 2019, where there is no leeway and there is no grace period because he went on to say, by the way, when Rich Eisen followed up, shocked Rich Eisen was when Tim Karen made that comment and he went and he followed up on it shocked that it would go back to 2019 and he said well look at it this way in 2019 Tom Brady wanted a two-year 50 million dollar guaranteed contract just like Drew Brees had he had presumed he was gonna get that in training camp it was still not forthcoming and he was like you know what if I don't get this thing I'm walking out it was explained to Belichick that that was the case they got something done it was not a two-year guaranteed contract it was two years with a team option it was then according to Curran, that Brady made up his mind that he would leave New England. So he's been on the hot seat at varying levels, he's saying, since that time, because it's that time that cost them Tom Brady. And then ever since that time of costing them Tom Brady, things have not gone well for the New England Patriots. Yeah, without question. I mean, this is what we're talking about with the Angels right now and Shohei Otani. He's not coming back to L.A., but they don't want to trade him at the deadline because it's how... How could you possibly find your way in a situation where you have the greatest player the game has ever seen and you don't maintain and keep him on your roster, right? Like, that's what Kraft has to be thinking. A lot of us look back. Seth Wickersham had that great report back in the day about the fracture that existed and how they were all moving on. And maybe Garoppolo was supposed to be the heir apparent or whatever. But mm-hmm. they, they could have had more years of Tom Brady and they didn't. And that was clear that there was some sort of falling out with the organization and that Belichick is a large part of that organization. So it didn't work out. You lose out on the last few years of Brady's prime and Brady shows that he was more than capable of winning a Super Bowl elsewhere. And since that time, Belichick just hasn't delivered. The team hasn't gotten any better. They're 25 and 25 with no playoff wins. So absolutely this season is going to be a very big measuring stick season. And when you're looking up at the Dolphins, up at the Jets, and up at the Bills. I don't know if we're going to see a whole lot more of Bill Belichick after this year. All these things eventually come to an end, right? Our our, our attention spans are dwindling. Our patience is dwindling. What have you done for me lately? So many people are making the case that Andy Reid might be the best coach in the NFL right now. Andy Reid was once run out of Philadelphia, if everyone remembers correctly. For so many years, for two darn decades, the Patriots were looking down at all those other teams in the AFC East that you just mentioned. It is about time that he is now looking up at those teams, but it has everything to do with not just the direction of the Patriots. Yes, obviously, they've taken a step back. It's not like the Patriots are terrible, though. It's not like they've ripped it down to the studs. It also has to do with the fact that finally those other three teams finally got better after decades of being terrible. And it still remains to be seen where we end up with the Dolphins and where we end up here, even with the New York Jets. But I think when it comes to the Buffalo Bills, we all feel pretty solid and good that that is a team that can be a Super Bowl contending team, even if they've been a bit disappointing in the postseason. They're a team that people believe in from top to bottom anyways. The Patriots are not that team. And yes, you're right. It's not, it's a changing time. The times always change. All good things come to an end, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, in fairness to Bill, when it comes to some of these 
personnel decisions. You mentioned Tom Brady still in his prime, and they missed out on the last few years of Brady's prime. We were talking about a dude who was 45 when we last saw him play football. Like, who had, who could have predicted that? By all other measures, if I had told you, Joe, hey, they're going to move on from Brady when he gets in his 40s, everybody else would have been like, all right, reasonable, that they don't want to lock themselves into all this guaranteed money for years, plural, for a dude in his 40s, no matter what he had done for them in his 20s and 30s. Otherwise, it would be paying for past performance. We all would have taken that attitude. We all would have been wrong because Tom Brady isn't human, but we all would have taken that attitude. I mean, his final season with the Patriots wasn't a great season statistically, but it was still relatively solid. And if there's a guy you're going to bet on to maybe be that one guy that you pay for past performance, maybe, just maybe, it can be the greatest player to ever play the game. The Patriots find themselves in a situation that's probably the worst in professional sports. They're trapped in the middle. They're not good enough to compete for titles, but they're not bad enough to put themselves in a position where they can bring in a highly touted asset with a high draft pick. This would be the year to do that. This is going to be a solid quarterback class coming out, led by Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner from USC, Drake May, the quarterback at North Carolina, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. If you have an awful year this season and you end up with that number one overall pick, you can build around Caleb Williams. He could be your guy. But you got to find out what you have in Mac Jones, and you can't find out by winning six, seven, or eight games. You got to be worse. You got to be at the tail end so you can bring up the high draft picks, or you got to be competing for Super Bowls. But when you're stuck in the middle like this, you're not going anywhere. Bill is not built like that, though, right? I mean, I didn't think Pop was necessarily built like that. We did see it work out in the NBA, but it doesn't feel like to me Bill Belichick would be capable at this point in his career of doing the losing that necessitates ultimately the winning through the draft, right? That's not the game that he's going to play. He didn't hire Bill O'Brien because he wants to lose games and tank for the NFL draft. So you're right. They will probably find themselves again in that world of mediocrity, and that really doesn't get you anywhere in terms of towards a Super Bowl. There's a fun game to be played here, though. How many teams right now, Joe, would fire their head coach if they had the opportunity to hire Bill Belichick? Where is Bill Belichick in his career at 71, then? Well, I mean, right off the top, the Chargers. I don't know if they could afford him, but you got to figure the Chargers would want him. Um... I don't know if you're the Raiders, if you'd want Bill Belichick. You did hire Josh McDaniel, so that would be two. Indy's got a new coach. Houston's got a new coach. I mean, are these teams that would abandon the rookie head coach for Bill Belichick? I don't know if I'd go that far. I think Jacksonville's comfortable with Doug Peterson. He's done a nice job there. Tennessee with Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel has done a lot with what he's been given in Tennessee. I don't know if you'd want to move on from him. Plus, he was the one that sent Tom Brady packing in his final playoff game with the New England Patriots. Cincinnati... Belichick coaching that team, No, I think that would be intriguing. You're not yeah. moving on from John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin, or Kevin Stefanski most likely because I think Stefanski's in line for a big year in Cleveland. So I don't think there are as many teams as, as, as many people think. There are franchises that obviously would feel he could come in and build them up, but he's an older guy. He's pretty set in his ways. Is his message going to get across to a brand new locker room? It worked in New England because Brady, the best player the game's ever seen, fell in line. Brady was able to sit in meetings and get criticized, get yelled at, get chastised by Belichick in front of everyone. And when Brady takes that, everyone else knows they have to take it. They fall in line. 
When you come into a new locker room and try to get that point across, if the guys at the top of the food chain don't buy in, your message isn't going to be well-received. Right. The Patriot way, it got old. I mean, even Tom seemed to have a different attitude when we went to Tampa, and we saw more from Tom, I feel like personality-wise, than we ever saw when he was in New England. It seemed to get old to Gronk as well, right? It got old to some of those players, and we've heard that. Sometimes it rubs you the wrong way, and it certainly can rub you the wrong way if it's not also attached to the Super Bowls and the winning like it was for all those years from Tom Brady in terms of the teams I also wouldn't expect like a team like the Texans with a head coach they're giving that runway to build and you're not going to do that with a 71 year old coach so you're right even with the bad teams it's not as easy of a decision as it sounds like it is even though we're arguably talking about the greatest coach of all time it's a different place that we're at now with his career at 71 years old all of that being said I still don't believe at all that Bill Belichick is truly on the hot seat in New England coming up next Draymond has finally decided to talk about the punch but maybe he should not be talking about it at all. We'll get into that. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is ESPN Radio. Well, Draymond Green probably walks it like he talks it, and boy, does he talk it. He's been out here talking. ESPN Radio is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson, Joe Fornbaugh, we're also talking. It's what we do here on ESPN Radio. You can also watch us on ESPNU. But Draymond Green loves to do the talking. And he did some serious talking on the Pat Bev podcast. Now, earlier in the show, we did discuss him talking about the punch. We'll get back to that. But if you miss anything here, you can always check out the podcast on the ESPN app. He also talked about, though, Joe, his... uh, disdain at some point in his career for Chris Paul, who he has played against many, many a times. He does not like Chris Paul. He has been honest about that. And he has said on the Pat Pev podcast that just because Chris Paul is now his teammate, that doesn't necessarily change. It's no sugarcoating what what has happened all these years. This is real life, man. Like people get it twisted. Like, oh man, like you're in character when you're, no, this is real life. Wow. We live in when we playing in these games. And so, like to, to just go front and act like all of those things was fake. Like I've publicly said I didn't like Chris before. Like I'm just not going to be like, oh man, that changed. Now he's my teammate. No, I look forward to talking amongst men. I look forward to working with another adult. You know, I've, we've had, a, I've had my fair share of days of like not working with adults right. and people who don't, don't move like adults. Right. So I'm looking forward to going to work with an adult. Right. You know what I'm saying? So you saying adult there? 
or dog? Yeah. He's saying adult, uh, right? I think it's adult. It, I, okay. it sounds like adult at the beginning. It sounds a little different at the end, but I'm, I'm context clues. I'll lean to adult. So he, he considers his behavior incredibly um, adult-like uh, in behavior and, and, and certainly never showing any signs there of immaturity on Draymond Green's part. I think that's a little amusing, but I guess he wants to handle it like men with coming together and talking. Something he didn't do, by the way, with Jordan Poole, it appears. I don't know if that was handling it, at least in the same way in terms of the adult fashion. He wants to do that, though, with Chris Paul. Joe, you covered Draymond Green for a very long time in the Bay Area when you had your radio show there. What do you make of these comments? I mean, I'm not surprised. The, 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 the battle with Chris Paul was always fantastic. Fantastic. When Chris Paul was with the Clippers, it was one thing. This was pre-Warrior Dynasty. If you remember the year before the Warriors won their first title, I believe they lost in the opening round of the playoffs in seven games to the Los Angeles Clippers, if memory serves me correctly on that one. And that that's a rivalry going way back between Steph and Chris Paul notably, but also everyone with the Warriors. And then throughout their history, they ran into him again when he joined the Houston Rockets and they were going toe-to-toe with Paul and James Harden. And those were some feisty series as well. Uh, Paul ended up getting hurt. And then there was the infamous game where they missed like 25 or 29 straight three-pointers and the Warriors ended up taking him out. So I like this. And I like the fact that he's honest about it because I, don't, I, I, I as a fan, I do want to believe that there's animosity between these guys. Like one of the stories you hate is when you find out that you know, it turns out, and I'm just, this is a hypothetical, but, you know, the Giants and the Cowboys, eh, maybe those guys are actually kind of friends, and they don't hate each other on the field. And that's normal. That's understandable. They're professionals in a business. They may have gone to college together or played on previous teams together and signed as free agents with new squads. But you want to believe these guys hate each other because you hate these teams, because they're your rival, because you get worked up for these games. So that's cool to hear that with Chris Paul coming to town, yeah, He didn't like Chris Paul. He doesn't like Chris Paul, and they're going to have to figure it out. Now, I assume they're going to figure it out because what's the point if they can't, right? It's just going to make the situation uh, a losing one like they had last year. But I I, I appreciate the honesty because if he was telling everyone that he loves Chris Paul and he respects Chris Paul and it's going to be fine, Warrior fans, Laker fans, Clipper fans, everyone in the West, they know that's a lie. Those two have hated each other for a while. Well, and really, what is there to figure out? I mean, we didn't like each other when we played against each other. Now we're playing together. So we need to get on the same page. It's different. Obviously, the competition now no longer there. I'm not old school in my approach to these things. Like, you have a more old school mentality where in the olden days, back in my day, everybody in the NBA seemed to hate each other. if They weren't on the same team, and it seemed very legitimate. These guys were not chummy back in the 90s. It is a very different landscape in the NBA today where so many of these guys are actually best friends off the court. And we saw it. It's the LeBron James era back basketball right where they're all on a banana boat together and they're all friends even though they're all on different teams and they're all competing out of the same draft class and we see that now across the NBA and it makes sense because of the era that we live in where these guys they grow up playing AAU together they grow up on the come up but all these same camps together they're exposed to each other when they're the best basketball players in the world from the time that they're children forward so they've developed those relationships so long before the NBA that by the time they get to the actual end NBA, it's like, all right, we're competing against each other, but we also have years of friendship off the court. That actually doesn't bother me. Like, as a fan, I don't feel the same way. Of course, I hate all these other, you know, the, the 
people, the opposition on the teams I don't like. I hate them all. I have players I'm annoyed at. But I don't actually care if my athletes truly hate the guys on the other team as long as they are willing to, in the moment, on the court, while we are in-game minutes, pretend like they hate those guys on the other team and conduct themselves like they do, in fact, dislike them. They can hug after the fact, after the buzzer. See, that's why I love every single thing that's taking place between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs right now. I love the fact that the Bengals continue to fire off, that every time someone's asked about how they rank quarterbacks, they take Burrow ahead of Mahomes, everything about it. And then I love the fact that the Chiefs fire back. Mahomes and Kelsey at the ring ceremony going right back at Cincinnati. That adds to it. That's what makes college football the best sport for me. It's the pageantry. Like, there's no liking each other when you're Alabama and LSU. There's no liking each other when you're Michigan and Ohio State, USC, UCLA. Like that pageantry, that feud, that rivalry, that adds to it for me. That's something that gets me up for the situation. If it wasn't there, sure, I'd still be watching, but I like that sort of thing. So I like to know when there's rivalries. I hate the fact when everyone's hugging and kissing after these games, after each game in a playoff series. Like, save that for the end. Because I want to see you guys go to war when it's a seven-game series and a trip to the finals is on the line. That's what adds it to me. That's what makes boxing so great. That's what makes UFC so great. There's no friendship. There's respect afterwards, but there's no friendship in the buildup to it. I, too, like the rivalry, and I like the bleep talking. I always want more of that in my sports. But you made the college football example, and it is what I love about college football. But also the reality is, as much as, you know, I'm a Gator, right? So as much as, like, Florida hates Florida State, all those kids went to high school together, and they don't actually hate each other. And you do see them hugging at the end of the game on the field, even though that animosity is there during the capacity of that game, and certainly there between the fan bases. Even from a fan perspective, like I. I hate the Knowles. Do you know how many friends I have that are Seminoles? A million. You know how many times I went to Tallahassee when I was in college at Gainesville? I mean, it's just the reality of the situation because we all grew up together because we all grew up in Florida. And so, yes, you hate each other. You do for that moment of time on the field. But I don't actually think you have to necessarily hate each other off the field or off the court. And I guess that's my point here is that Chris Paul, Draymond Green rivalry was great when they were in opposition with one another. I'm surprised that it's real though, in terms of now that they're teammates, they have to bury the hatchet because those guys are professionals. And I would expect throughout their entire career, they have dealt with this where in competition, they dislike somebody, but it's not a real dislike. It's not a personal dislike. It's just business. If there was, that's all going to be squashed. There's no way the Warriors make the deal to acquire Chris Paul if Chris Paul is going to have a problem playing with any of the members that are on the Warriors roster. Conversely, the Warriors aren't going to make the deal if it turns out any of their star players say to themselves or say to management, look, we're not comfortable with this. We don't like him. We don't know him. We don't get along with him. He's not someone that's going to fit our culture. Keep him out of here. Like, you're not going to have a rogue independent operator running the Warrior organization, making a deal like this without running it past some guys to make sure it's going to fit. Otherwise, you're just going to jam yourself up even worse. So I'd have to imagine that before this deal went down, Paul gave his blessing to say, yeah, I can play with these guys. And these guys gave their blessing as well. And then let bygones be bygones and move on with the business of winning. Because if there's one thing Steph Curry and company want to do, it's continue trying to win. And if there's one thing Chris Paul would love to do at this stage in his career, it'd be to stack a ring to add to that legacy of his. 
I agree with you. I don't think that you commit more years to Draymond Green and you pay Draymond Green while simultaneously ignoring whatever his wishes were with Chris Paul. So I would imagine that he had said that he could play with Chris Paul and that that's why the Warriors front office felt like this was a good move. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Joe Fortenbaugh hanging out with you. James Harden removed the 76ers from his bio, but will the Sixers remove him from their roster before the season starts? We'll get into that. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is ESPN Radio. I'm not sure James Harden cares about winning championships, frankly, at this point in his career. He seems to care about making his way out of Philadelphia, making his way out of every, every organization he's ever played for, Joe, right? I mean, that's the reality of James Harden. He loves to leave. James Harden is a leaver. Going, going, gone. Harden's game doesn't necessarily suit the modern version of the NBA. And what I mean by that is he was a prolific scorer who didn't care much for defense. That's fine. He's not the only guy out there who's like that, but he was a prolific scorer and there's a need for that. And he got paid at a very high level for that. Problem is he's going to be 34 years old in August and he's not a prolific scorer anymore because a good chunk of his scoring used to come from his ability to get foul calls and get to the free throw line. Mm -hmm. Well, he doesn't get to the free throw line anymore because he doesn't necessarily get the calls. This past year, he averaged 6.2 free throw attempts per game. That is the lowest since he averaged six flat with Oklahoma City in 2011-2012. This is a guy for five or six years in a row, averaged close to 11 free throw attempts per game. So now his free throw attempts are down. As a result, his scoring's down, and his game has had to evolve. He's become more of a facilitator with Philadelphia, so he is very useful. He's still far above average, but he's not the guy that's going to put you over the top to win an NBA championship. Philly did a nice job acquiring him. As bad as this looks like it's gone now, they got him in exchange for Ben Simmons, and Simmons wasn't going to play for them, and Simmons isn't playing for the Brooklyn Nets. The guy doesn't play basketball anymore. So that was a good deal for Daryl Morey, but now it looks like it's run its course and Harden wants out. And the thing is, Philadelphia shouldn't stand in the way because running it back with the team they had last year isn't going to win you a championship either. The problem for Philly is that you're not going to get enough in return for Harden to go out and win yourself a championship. So you're just kind of stuck pedaling in place until inevitably Joel Embiid has to be traded and you need to blow the whole thing up. It was a good run. They tried with this whole process nonsense. They went to the playoffs six years in a row, but they couldn't get past the second round. And I feel like we're reaching the end and the end is inevitable. We're talking about a player who did score 42 points against the Boston Celtics in the postseason. Yes, Which James game was Harden. That? 
Which game was that? Yeah, which game was that? Uh, I, do you remember off that? Game four. Yeah, it was game, game it was four. Game, game four. Like, do you wait, remember wait, off the top game, of your head? Was game it four. game one, the big explosion game? When was there game... was no Joel Embiid. The reason I bring right. that up is when they needed him to close it out. He did it, it twice, six, right? He did, I know 42 was game four. What was game one? I don't have the series in front of me. Here you go. 42 in game okay. one. No oh, Joel so Embiid. They okay. spring the upset. He scores 17 in, or what, what is it? 45, 12, 16, 42. And then the next three games, so he did it twice. 17, 13, 9. Okay. Nine. But he did it twice. He 42 yeah. and 40 and 40 or whatever it was Two that you just said. Two good games out of seven. Yes. Two good games Incredible out of seven. Incredible games against, again, a very good Boston Celtics team. And I'm not excusing anything that happened to the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm also not excusing where James Harden is at at this point in his career. My point is, is that James Harden can be a very significant contributor still. We are talking about a player who ranks top four in NBA history in over 40-point games. He's still got it to some extent, right? And so he can still give you those moments. He can be a big-time contributor on a championship team. He's not going to be the number one, but he wasn't supposed to be the number one there in Philly. That was supposed to be Joel Embiid, and yet it really, in my opinion, falls more squarely on Joel Embiid's shoulders what happened there in the postseason because you did get some of those monster performances from James Harden, and that's all you can expect. And yes, he disappears after that other 40-plus point performance, but also James Harden disappearing and disappearing in a game seven is kind of the story of James Harden's career. It's kind of what the expectation is there at this point for James Harden. It should not be the story of the reigning MVP's career in Joel Embiid. So for me, the problem in Philly isn't James Harden, but James Harden wants out once again. And when James Harden wants out of somewhere, we've seen it time and time again, James Harden ends up out of somewhere, Joe. You mentioned how many 40-point games. What was that stat again? He In NBA history... Yeah. He ranks four or fifth on the list in NBA history. Let me see. I think it might be fifth on the list right behind That's Kobe right. Bryant. He's got like 104 or whatever it is, 40-plus uh, point games in his career. I'm missing the stat now. But he's That's one right. of the best – Sure. volume scores in NBA history. Is and point. this past season, and that's been his, his MO, that's who he is. That's his identity, volume score. This past season, he played 58 regular season games with the Sixers. He had zero 40-point games. He's not <laughs> that guy anymore. He's still a big-time contributor, and he might right. be a type of guy that can help the Clippers get past whatever they're going through right now. But the Sixers, as currently constructed, aren't really going any further than we've seen in the past few years unless something awful happens to Milwaukee, Boston, and Miami. I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better situation this year. Milwaukee got knocked out in the opening round. One of your biggest threats was gone. It was you and Boston, and you were up three games to two. You had an opportunity, the best opportunity you've had in the six-year playoff run that you've put together to get to the conference finals, during which time half the league, 14 of 30 teams, has been to the conference finals. You haven't, and they weren't able to close. That's the story with the Sixers. When it gets to the championship rounds, they're nowhere to be found because they can't get past the higher-level competition. They are built to win a lot of games during the regular season against a lot of average and inferior teams. They're built to win a first-round playoff series because they'll be a top-three seed playing a bad team. But once they get up against the good teams, they just can't find a way to close out four and seven because it's not in their DNA. It's just not. And they've shown that every single year since they've started going to the playoffs six seasons ago. Isn't that all the more reason that James Harden wanting out 
seems somewhat reasonable, I suppose. I mean, James Harden doesn't feel like he's the answer there in Philly and that he's not going to be the one that gets them over of getting out in the second round. So this team always gets out in the second round. And it doesn't feel like a James Harden, Joel Embiid team in Philly with Maxie on the side is going to be winning NBA titles anytime soon. So maybe James Harden feels like at this point in his career, you mentioned he's almost 34 years old next month. At this point in his career, he wants a change of scenery. The only problem with that is I don't know what change of scenery he's getting that gets him any closer to a championship than the Philadelphia 76ers. It's what Perk said on the way in. I'm not sure James Harden cares. I'm not sure his primary concern here is championships. I mean, for a while there, he was being linked to go back to Houston, and I don't think that that would have been part of the conversation or equation, frankly, if he was concerned about winning championships. Some of the teams that he's been linked to, like maybe the Clippers would be interested, but we're talking about another team that then has underperformed and can never get out of its own way in a postseason because also those pieces can't stay healthy. Is James Harden really going to be the piece that gets them over the hump? He would certainly help in terms of being able to pick up some of the slack because the one thing James Harden is, is normally available. That you can still say about him, even though he's almost 34 years old. I just don't think Harden wants to be hassled. I think that's one of his priorities. He makes a lot of money. He likes basketball. He's not Kobe Bryant. Like, he doesn't view basketball the same way as Kobe Bryant or LeBron James. And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that, to each their own. If if his approach is he plays basketball, it's a job, it's what he does for a living, but there's more to him than that, so be it. That's fine. It, it cuts against the grain for what we as fans believe. We think all of these guys come in and it's all about working as hard as humanly possible, getting yourself in the best possible shape, working as hard as you can with your teammates, watching film, getting coached, and then going out and competing night in and night out. You know, for some guys, it's just a job. And for Harden, it strikes me as a guy who we had a nice run in Houston. He won his MVP. He was competing at a high level. He was putting up big numbers. He was making his money. But then as soon as he ended up in New York, that went south really quick. Then he goes to Philly. That goes south pretty quick. Now he wants to go somewhere else. I don't think he wants to be hassled. I don't think he wants to be hassled by the media. I don't think he wants to be hassled by the fans. He wants to play his basketball, make his money, and go on his way. That's what it looks like to me. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that, but he hasn't really seemed to enjoy either of his stints in two hardcore markets that are going to come down on you if you don't put up big performances in the big spots. There may be nothing wrong with that, but you're not a role player. You're James bleeping Harden. And the reality is, I don't care what market you go to, the attention's going to be on you. We're going to be talking about you here at ESPN Radio. It's the reality, right? I mean, Joe, there's no scenario. We're not talking about James Harden. Like, I don't, what market can he go to where I'm not talking about James Harden? I'm talking about James Harden if he's in Portland, LA. right? It you doesn't make, make any difference. I'm who's still talking gonna, about James Harden in LA. Are you kidding me? You're going to put him on a team with Paul George and Kawhi and I'm not going to talk about James Harden? Come on. Who's going to give him a hard time in LA? Who's going to give him a hard time? LA Us, is here at ESPN. <laughs> Yeah, but he's going to go there. He's not even on the number one basketball team in town. The focus, Uh, if anything, is going to be on the Lakers and LeBron and AD. And sure, people will discuss the Clippers. But if there's going to be a fall guy in L.A. for the Clippers, there's plenty to choose from. Kawhi can't stay healthy. Paul George can't stay healthy. The Clippers are notorious underachievers to begin with. If Harden goes there and it doesn't work out there, he's not going to take a lot of flack for that. It's not like being in New York. It's not like being in Philadelphia. Man, you telling me 
that the expectations would be low or reasonable or the coverage would be minimal for a team that would have the names of Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and James Harden on it. That is just remarkable where we're at. You might not be wrong, though. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio, how many samples is too many? We get back to the importance. (laughs) We just spent entirely too much time on actual sports. Should someone who doesn't eat cake be allowed to have a top five cake list? Nuno wrote that on the screen. That is not my words because obviously my answer is yes. We'll get to all of that next. This is ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This is ESPN Radio. Where does the man find the time? (laughs) Question number one for me to produce such high-level content on such a regular basis. He started real fire here with this commentary. People coming out of the woodwork to talk about five, six, seven samples, all these different things you can do. The answer is one. It's a sample. You try one. If you like it, you buy the product. If you like it, you don't have to buy the product. If you don't like it, you keep moving. But outside of one, now you're just having a meal. That's it. And it's not an opinion. That's just fact. The definition of sample, quote, a small part or quantity intended to show what the whole is like. You have one of these little grilled cheese samples you like so much, buy the product or keep it moving. But, it is, but once you go past one, you're just eating. At that point, it's just a meal. Right. I mean, it is the entire purpose of the sample. Is The only reason they're providing you the sample is so that you can give it a try before you spend your hard-earned dollars on said food product. But it's not to replace said food product. So I tend to agree with you there. I do think one, maybe two, you could get away with. Because the second time around, it's like, well, I'm still debating. I don't, I don't know. I need, let me give this another go and see how much I really like it before I go ahead and drop 10 bucks on this grilled cheese sandwich. However, beyond two, they are 1,000% judging you, right? I mean, there is zero chance that the person handing out the samples is not judging you the se- after the second time that you circle back around. Can't worry about that. Can't worry about the judgments in the sample game. What you need to do is get in, try your sample, and get out. That's the end of it. Now, if you want to sit there and you want to indulge five, six, seven, and you're going to be judged, you're going to be critiqued, you have a problem with that, just cut back on the samples. But again, this comes down to what the purpose of the sample is. Try one, and if you like it, go ahead and eat it. I would imagine Carlin, like many other human beings, are capable of going into a grocery store and buying an item without having a sample 
without you do you have to sample everything that's on a menu before you have your dinner no sometimes you take a shot sometimes the shot pays off sometimes it doesn't costco is nice enough that they might give you an opportunity to sample something so take one sample and keep the line moving all right we got things we got to get done in this society one guy jamming up the works because he's trying to skimp on lunch is just going to hurt everyone down the line I mean, it seems like a nice thing to do, but it's not out of the goodness of their own hearts. They're just trying to make money. And they know that you weren't going to buy that grilled cheese sandwich if, in fact, they didn't lay out the samples in front of you. And so they put the sample in front of Carlin, and they're hoping that he bites because now that item is on his list of things that he must have when it certainly wasn't when he walked into the grocery store. Nuno apparently so, writing on my screen that he has an update on samples, breaking uh, news on uh, samples couple, here on yeah, ESPN breaking Radio. News, huh? well, a couple things with Carlin. He did have three. He didn't buy the taquitos. But apparently, and we've had callers. <laughs> that was an important update, yeah, by the well, way, no. that he didn't buy the we've taquitos. Callers, Thank you. That's not had... an update. That's an upset. <laughs> okay, it's an upset. I think is it was because of nutritional reasons he didn't buy the taquitos. Nutritional uh, too many reasons. vegetables in them. <laughs> but no, apparently. <laughs> so we've had people who who work at Costco's call in, and apparently, what happens is. The people that are handling the samples, they're actually a third-party company. And what happens if you don't sell enough, like you start actually losing money on the samples versus what you're selling, they cut back on their employees' hours based upon that. So poor people. So Jay Will, when you're getting seven, or Carlin, when you're going back for your fourth, like you're impacting someone's livelihood if you don't actually buy the samples. That is a they good update because that. you're no, it, I do care because you're right. It, it was an important update, Nuno, because we did get a caller earlier in the show. <laughs> don't worry, we've talked about this conversation we talked about this subject multiple times on today's show if you missed that you can always check out the podcast on the espn app that's the kind of content that you're here for but we did have a caller earlier in the show about samples say it's costco it's big corporate america who cares they'll be just fine if i take 10 samples and nuno is right it's not actually costco normally it is in fact the food product or the food vendor the company that distributes the product that is normally the one out there handing out the free samples because they're trying to sell the product so it is in fact a whole entirely different thing the, it, look costco is the architect of the dollar 50 hot dog soda combo and they've been doing this for a long time it's wildly popular there have been numerous organizational disagreements as to whether or not the price of that should be raised and costco continues the higher-ups continue to say no we're not going to raise the price this is what we do dollar 50 hot dog and soda if you're hungry while you're there and you can't wait until you get home, go get the hot dog and the soda. That's what it's there for. It's extraordinarily cheap. Who doesn't like a hot dog? Okay, you don't need 22 samples of grilled cheese. Again, it's not like it's a unique product that Carlin's never had before. It's grilled cheese. (laughs) You know what it tastes like. You don't need more than one sample because I'm assuming you've probably had a few hundred, if not more, in your life, and that's not judgment. You're not a young guy, and grilled cheese is a relatively popular meal, so I'd have to imagine pacing out for how many years you've been in existence, you've had a few hundred grilled cheeses. How many samples do you need of a new grilled cheese before you are willing to make the decision of whether or not you're going to purchase? And oh, by the way, it turns out he's not purchasing any of these things anyway. He didn't get the taquitos. He didn't get the grilled cheese. He's just there eating lunch. That's all it is. He's just there hanging out at Costco. That's what he does with his time, apparently, after he's on ESPN Radio. With Carlin, he is young at heart, it appears, because, again, this was Chris Carlin on TikTok. But I tend to agree with you because his decision had already been made. He said in the TikTok video that the grilled cheese was out of this world. So he knew that after sample one 
that the grilled cheese was out of this world. If you wanted to purchase it, there's no confusion anymore. You like this thing. Now the only question is whether you're going to bother bringing it home with you or not. And that decision is not going to be changed by multiple samples. So one sample was enough for him to make his decision. The sample giver had accomplished his or her goal in allowing Chris Carlin to try this thing. He doesn't need to try it three or four more times. Let me spin it forward. Say you're at a cocktail party. Someone's coming around with the hors d'oeuvres, right? They got a tray of, let's say it's a really high-end cocktail party and it's got a tray of grilled cheese bites on it, right? How many of those are you allowed to have? One, you can do more than that because this is a cocktail party. You're not sampling, but again, it is for all the guests. So what do you do? You seem like you've been to several high-end well, I, I, I have an answer. <laughs> now we're in my wheelhouse, okay? Right. And when the caviar comes around, uh, I would say that I don't know if I agree with you here. Like you're at a wedding and they're, and they're coming around with all the samplers or coming around with all the little appetizer tray things, whatever you call that. I would say that you take as many as you want at that point because it's all part of the deal, right? It's not like a sample. There's no relationship here where I'm giving you a sample so you buy the thing. So I'm just, just providing the you tray? the thing. Well, I don't take the whole tray. Well, I don't. None of this applies to me. But I would imagine Chris Carlin does. There's plenty more on samples on ESPN Radio next. This is ESPN Radio. More next.